0: Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters, where we're scaling up on water treatment knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hi, everybody. I'm Trace Blackmore, and again, I want to thank you. I am amazed at how many water treaters out there actually thinks this show is good. What's wrong with you people? Hey. I'm glad you had bad taste, because I'm having the time of my life doing this. I really enjoy talking about what we do in an industry. I really enjoy the fact that you guys like it. Do you like the format? You're saying that you enjoy going to your accounts and having this to listen as you're driving in traffic. Boy, do I hate traffic. That'll be a boiling point later. But I just want to say, keep your comments coming. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I really appreciate all the positive feedback and even the negative feedback that I've gotten back to. Hey, everything I learn, I can get better. So thank you. Please keep it coming. I really enjoy doing it. And uh, today... We're going to bring the catalyst back. And of course, the catalyst in chemistry is something that we put in to speed up a reaction. And the reaction that I'm hoping to get out of you is that you think about what you're doing and you might make a little change so you can be a better water trader tomorrow than you are today. So today on the catalyst, we're going to talk about the service report. And the service report is an instrument that could possibly end up in court someday. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but it is the legal document that shows what you did. And folks, if you did something, but you didn't write it down, guess what? You didn't do it. It doesn't matter if you told somebody. It doesn't matter if you emailed something. Well, you might be able to prove an email. But if you're doing a service report too, why not put everything in the service report? Why would you ever want to look at 15 different locations to find out something about an account? So write everything down that happens on the service report. In previous shows, I lamented to how a service should go. I said that you know most of us service out of our test kit, and then when we're done running our pinks and blues, we simply pack up and we leave. Please don't service like that. If you service like that, do me a favor. Call me, let me know where your accounts are and I'll come and tell your clients how you should be servicing and I'll get all that business. Of course, I'm not gonna do that and I know you're not gonna give me their information, but do a better job servicing and especially in the service report if you're not doing that already. For those of you that are, great, but I still think you might be able to learn something by listening to today's episode. So let's talk about the service that's eventually going to get documented in our service report. We enter on site, I recommend you write down exactly the time it is when you arrived. If something were ever to happen and you needed to prove when you got there or prove that you weren't there during a certain time, always record the time you arrive and the time you leave. So let's talk about all the stuff that happens in between. So when you get there, put your test kit down, don't start opening up your test kit right off the bat, Put your test kit down and use your powers of observation to figure out what happened since the last time that you were there. So you're going you're gonna to find a spot to put your test kit. You're going to walk around the room. And you're going to be looking, is anything different? Does everything look exactly the same as it did last time? If it doesn't, what's different? What could have happened to make it different? You're going to make your way over to the cooling tower controller. And you're going to look at it and you're going to, okay, I know from the last visit to this visit, I should have pumped this much product. Well, look at your drums. Did you pump that much product? If you pumped way more, that's going to tell you something about that service. If you pump less, that's going to tell you something. Look at the conductivity controller. Is it about in range? Is there water coming out of the bleed solenoid valve and it's not calling for bleed? Hmm, that might be a problem. By the way, your conductivity is pretty low if that's what's going on. But my point is you're looking at all these things. You haven't taken your first sample yet. You're trying to allow that mechanical room to tell you what's going on. And by the way, if you can talk to somebody that actually works there every single day since you haven't been there in a month's time, even better, hey, George, what happened since the last time that I was here? Oh, you got a brand new cooling tower? Well, that's really good information. Hopefully they let you know about that in advance, but sometimes that doesn't happen. But that also lets that guy know that you are there for them. And they're letting you know what's happened since the last visit. So then we figure out what's going on. I've said on earlier shows that we're forming that hypothesis We think we have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the system. Now it's time to collect data. We're going to grab all of our samples. We're going to set up our test kit. And we're going to run our tests. We're going to run every single system. And hopefully by now, you're thinking about, am I testing every single system? Am I testing the water from its starting point to its final point so I can tell what's going on in the systems? And are you running your test in the most efficient manner that you can so you're not spending the bulk of your time running your test? You're spending the bulk of your time making sure that that account is the best it could possibly be. So now we're going to get all of our test information and that test is going to tell us whether we were right or whether we were wrong. Of course, as we're doing this, we're recording everything down in the service report. So if we talk to somebody, that's in the service report. If we notice something was not the way it should, we put that in the service report. As we did all of our tests, we wrote all of those down. And if they were out of range, we noted that. If they were in range, we noted that. So now we're to the point where we need to make a decision on what we're going to do. Do we need to replenish product do we need to prime some pumps do we need to calibrate some equipment do we need to clean some probes do we need to i don't know whatever it is now's the time to do that and we're going to do all these items now maybe there's something that we can't do we need our customers help with we're going to note that this is the issue this is what needs to be done This is how you can help me. And by the way, this is what it's costing you until you get it fixed. If you can assign a dollar amount to something, your customers are going to help you help them fix their problems. All of this is getting written down on the service report. My preference is that you go over that service report each and every time with your customer Allow that to be a therapy session with you and your customers so they can appreciate all the hard work that you do. And my suggestion is that you get them to sign that service report, uh, whether it's electronic, whether you're still using some of the the paper versions, whatever it is, then you're going to take care of it. You're going to make sure it gets filed properly. So if you ever need to recall it, you can do that. And by the way, a great time to recall it is while you're getting ready to service the next month. Hey, what happened last month? Let me refresh my memory. Oh, yeah, that's right. I needed to bring 20 feet of tubing because I was going to retube one of the pumps. Well, if you didn't review that, you went all the way to the account, you say, oh, no, I forgot to bring that tubing. I'll do it next month. And how many months is that going to take place until it actually gets done? And then your competitor comes in and sees that that tubing's leaking. They say, that's not safe. I can fix that right now because I've got that on my truck and that account is vulnerable. So the service report could be and is a legal document. It's a tool for us to prove our value to our customer. It's a tool for us to make sure we're constantly improving that account and not having to go back on needless trips because we're prepared on the next visit. I hope you're using the service report the way it should be written. I I can't tell you, this isn't a boiling point session, but I will tell you that one of the issues that I have when I look at other company service reports is when I see everything looks fine. Folks, I'm gonna tell you, nothing ever looks fine. If the water treated itself, there would be no reason for any of us to have a job. It looks fine because you didn't look hard enough to find what you could do to improve that system. Take every opportunity that you have at that account to get that account a little bit better. And you better write it down in the service report because just as I said, if you didn't write it down, it didn't happen. The next time you write a service report, I hope you think about all these things. And I hope that the service report you write tomorrow was better than the one you wrote today. Our next section is pinks and blues, and pinks and blues we haven't done in a couple episodes. I've gotten some questions, but I was waiting for me to get uh, a good variety of questions so I could um, have a have a good a good spread, if you will. So these are questions that you have written to me and just wanted an answer to. So I promise that I'm not going to use your name. So you can ask me whatever you want. You don't ever have to worry about being embarrassed. You don't have to worry about somebody saying, I wish I knew where that guy's account was because I want to go after that. I'm never going to do that to you. So let me know what you want to talk about. And we're going to talk about it right here on Scaling Up. So our first question is somebody asks, what is the best conductivity meter for them to use? best is one of those words that i really don't know how to answer because best is whatever fits your situation so is it is it uh you know is it compact enough for you is it um is it robust enough does it have the functionalities that you need um is it uh maybe you need waterproof maybe you need shockproof these sort of things I really can't answer best. That's a question you're gonna to have to answer, but I can tell you what meter that I use, and I will tell you we've tried a lot. Um, I, I'm a gadget guy, and when something new comes out, I always want to give it a try. Uh, I've got a bunch of things that I don't use because of that. And I'm trying to cut down on that. In fact, maybe Blackmore Enterprises needs to have a yard sale for water treatment equipment to get rid of some of the stuff that we have that, it's good, we've just decided that we liked other things better. So um, maybe we'll have a scaling up sale sometime. I'm just kidding. Uh, but that being said, I've always come back to the Myronel uh, 6P series. And uh, that one does pH and conductivity and a bunch of other things. Very robust. If you take care of it, the probes do last a long time. And uh, it's a little expensive, but if you really look at the service time that we get out of ours and how well it works with how we work, I don't think it's expensive at all. I think it saves us time and it's easy to use. So it's, it's worth every penny that it is. So um, by the way, you want to take care of those things. Um, I had a conversation with Frank LaCrone of Aqua Phoenix Scientific. So Frank actually asked me, he said, are you using pH 4 buffer? Or are you using electrode storage solution? And I actually learned from Frank years ago. He was telling me that he went down to Myronel and he saw hundreds of meters that were sent back from people like you and I because they were having problems holding calibration for pH and they were all stained pink. So what happens, that pink dye actually migrates into that probe and makes it so it won't hold calibration. So something you can do is use electrode storage solution. It is a little bit more expensive, but because we keep our meters clean, we clean them on a regular basis, we rinse them out, and then we put the electrode storage solution in, we get about a year out of our pH probes. And I've heard that that's pretty impressive. So another question we have is, how long have you been in water treatment? Well, I answer this on our our very first show. I truly have been in water treatment ever since I can remember. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't really paid uh, until I was probably about 16 years old. And only then I was doing some lab stuff for my dad and maybe some inventory um, adjusting and delivery and things like that. I didn't really start, you know, becoming a, a serious enthusiast about water treatment probably until I was about 22 years old, and um, I'm 42 years old now. So that's uh, 20 years of serious water treatment stuff. So um, there you go. I've been I've been in water treatment all of my life. So I've knew of water treatment since forever, uh, but really seriously into water treatment for for the past uh, 20 years, or at least getting paid in water treatment to actually be able to afford to buy things like a house and food and and things like that. Next question is, can you give us some advice on what books we can read to help us study for the Certified Water Technologist Examination? Great question. And first off, the CWT is designed so most people can't study for it to pass it. It's really an experience exam. That being said, if you're really good at studying, I'm sure you can probably prove people wrong that say that, but the point of the exam is to reward the experience, which is why you need five years in order to, you can take the exam anytime you want, but in order to get that CWT designation, you have to have five years experience. And that's what the test was aimed to prove that you did have five years worth of experience. The the first book that I would recommend is from uh, AWT, and it's the Technical Reference and Training Manual. The reason I recommend that is because that was when the test writers were coming up with the tests, a lot of the questions came from there. And when there was a question on, can we do something this way or that way? Because as we know as water treaters, there's many ways to skin that water treatment cat. That was the deciding factor. If we had a question about something, we went to the TRTM and we said, hey, what is the answer in there? Okay, I don't personally do this, but that's what the book says, so that's what we're going with. So above all else, that's what I would recommend. The other books that I recommend are actually written by Colin Frayn. And they are called the Principles and Practice of Water Treatment. And he's got one for cooling water and he's got two, uh, volume one and two, for boiler water. And not that the questions come from there, but Colin has a way of talking about situations that he's been in and, and really, really drawing the context of why you do certain things. Uh, I think that that's a, a great book to study with, but it's also a great book for a reference. I know I've gone back to that a couple of times. There are some other ones, but I think those are the big ones. And these are some pretty hefty reads. So I don't want to give you 10 books. You go out and read 10 books and all of them just sit and collect dust on your shelf. I want to give you the ones that I know are going to help you and... Uh, Right now, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking that those three are probably some of the best ones. Above all else, get the AWT Technical Training and Reference Manual. And if you want something else just, uh, you know, at a a high level read, those would be Colin Frayne's books called Principles and Practices. And he's got uh, them both on cooling treatment and boiler treatment. The last one was... Um, Oh, it's a question about corrosion coupons. Uh, By the way, I've received a lot of questions about corrosion coupons, and I've got to applaud everybody out there. Um, A lot of people are using corrosion coupons, and they had questions if they were using them correctly. So I, I think I'm going to do a show on proper corrosion coupon placement. Um, you know when to use them how to use them all that sort of stuff so so that will be coming up in a later show but the question here is uh, they're looking for a lab to do their corrosion coupons you mentioned that I personally do corrosion coupons for other AWT members could I be one of those AWT members that you do corrosion coupons yeah sure Um, we um, as I mentioned on a previous show I wasn't very happy with the way I was getting reports back from another company. I mean, they were fine, but as a water treater, they didn't give me the inside look that I was looking for to uh, see, was my program working? Could I augment it and make it better? So by doing it myself, we've come up with some processes and procedures that help us do that and i'm willing to uh, let you know what i see in the corrosion coupon and ask you some questions about your program and then from that we can then uh, determine can you make a can you make a a change in your chemistries or uh, how many times you're concentrating your water or even your biocide whatever it is we're having that dialogue and we're figuring out how do we make that program better so the short answer is yes absolutely Um, I would love to give my lab a little bit more work and do your corrosion coupons. And uh, all you have to do is go on our website. And this is actually is going to be our um, uh, blackmoreenterprises.com. So it's blackmore-enterprises.com. There's a coupon page on there. So click on that. It's got all the information. And if you uh, want to talk to somebody, by all means, call the office or email me directly. And we can definitely have that conversation. So that's going to do it for today on scaling up. I'm really enjoying putting these on. I I love going to my email and seeing that people are enjoying the program and that they have questions for them. Uh, What I've been doing is sorting the questions and trying to put them in future show formats so they kind of meld together. So again, don't assume somebody's going to ask the question that you have. Please... Go on scalinguph2o.com, let me know what you want me to talk about. Let me know what your question is. You're never going to have to worry about me embarrassing you over the air because the goal of this show is making us better water treaters tomorrow than we were today. Folks, I'm glad you're joining me. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us on.